Hello, and welcome back to Psychiatry XR. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Bullock, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jessica Hagen. Hi, everyone. We're so happy to be joined by Emanuela Michelle, and she has over 15 years experience working clinically with youth with severe behavioral issues and on the autism spectrum in Canada. She's currently a PhD candidate in education technology at University of Laval in Quebec, Canada, utilizing virtual reality in the context of school engagement of high-risk high school students in the social universe domain, which combines history, geography, and citizenship education classes. She is also a research assistant at University of Laval for a project on AI and health. And as if that wasn't enough, she was selected by Facebook Oculus Launchpad and developed and founded the Cogni XR Health Platform to expand mental health care for virtual solutions that can help providers scale therapy, access, and wellness results. Emanuela, thank you so much for joining us. We're so honored to have you. Hi, Kim, and hi, Jessica. It's so nice to be here. Wonderful. So we'd love to start off by hearing about how you actually first became interested in XR for mental health and why you maybe founded Cogni XR and what exactly your company offers. Yes. So my story with XR started when I started my PhD program in educational technology. I took a game design class, but mostly we worked on serious game mechanics. And from there, I developed a game card prototype and digitalized it. And then I noticed that I was able to test it and actually got the opportunity to go and show it on a TV program. It's like the Shark Tank of Quebec in a way. (laughs) And I had just finalized it. And it was a dare from my friend that told me, you know, I dare you to go there. And then I just had the game and I was like, you know what, I'm going to try. And I got accepted to go. Although I didn't get a deal, but then they still provided me with support in terms of like doing a validation and product market fit in a big uh, world game event in Montreal. Well, from there, I started to feel like, oh, wow, there is a need because many teachers were curious about, you know, leveraging technology to support students or to support at-risk students. And uh, after that, when I digitalized the game, there was this program with Oculus Launchpad and I was selected among 100 content developers. I knew nothing about XR before that. So the program was about, you know, taking 100 people to Facebook offices and providing us with a bootcamp that would introduce us to XR. And also part of the program was to learn a little bit of coding, which I still don't manage coding. I do mostly like instructional design and conceptualization of like the environment before I send them to the designer. But before that, they give us that little program. And part of the program, we had to create a project in relate to XR. And some of them would be selected to for the Oculus store. When I tested the Oculus headset, well, the VR headset for the first time, first I was scared. And then second, I was like, back in the days when I was working as a group home manager, I managed two group home for kids with severe behavioral challenges, mostly youths from 14 to 25 years old. And I said to myself, oh my God, if I had that tool back in the days, When we had de-escalation grid, Mm -hmm. I could have used that at the first level of my de-escalation grid and be able to 
use different environments to help my clients reduce their anxiety, use mindfulness environments to, you know, breathe and and use a breathing exercise so that they could calm down so that they don't go up to a full-blown crisis and for me to have to use a PRN before it happens. So when I saw that, I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to create a project to support mental health providers with clients that I had back in the day. And so that's where CogniXR Health was born. And I would say that Cogni really is about expanding and democratizing mental health care so that more people have access to care that are self-guided, assisted, and also group within a 3D environment. But then again, as we went along our journey with Cogni, we realized that, you know, not everybody can use VR. And some people enjoy the whole immersive side of VR, but don't necessarily want to put the headset. So we now moving towards WebXR so that we could provide a responsive platform to our clients, clients, well, I would say mental health providers, patients, or clients, depending on how they call them, <laughs> they use it for exposure therapy. They can use it for self-guided therapy in between their sessions with their patients, and then also for group therapy. Wow, I love that. Your background, you know, starting at the sort of bedside or you're, you know, in the trenches with real clinical expertise, knowing the problems that are really out there in the wild. And then also having your academic background and then this entrepreneurial spirit, you're like just a Renaissance woman. So I love this. You're the perfect innovator. So I'd love to start off hearing about maybe what your projects are currently and maybe what you're most excited about. Yes. I want to start by saying I am very new to the academic. I'm still like getting used to it because when you're used to being a clinician, and then you go towards, you know, research, it's a different ballgame. Yeah. Because I'm used to seeing things and then describe them as I see them. And now I have to mostly use things that were validated, you know, researchers that said this, and then I can base it on this. So I'm not used to think like that. So I had a lot of challenges <laughs> being a clinician and seeing things on the floor with clients. And then now using research to validate what I've seen is the most difficult thing I've never done. Mm -hmm. So that's new. Yeah. And I love how quickly you are able to integrate and get into the XR space. That's really hopeful for a lot of us. Yes. And I'm sure our listeners that you can do it quickly. Yes, it is. It is. And if you love it, you know, if you love doing supporting your clients already, especially if you're a mental health provider and you have that love for what you're doing, then when you get to XR, it's like a new challenge that you love also because it helps you get your clients to a certain level, I would say in their therapeutic pathway, a little bit faster than what you could have done if you weren't in the XR environment. In other words, like you had asked me, you know, what am I doing currently as project? So beside, you know, my thesis and experimentation that I will be starting with students to examine how VR can contribute to at-risk students' engagement and therefore improve their academic success, I am very focused on my Cogni platform. We are right now doing product market fit and pushing forward how we can leverage WebXR because we have had the platform 
We had 10 environments in unity, but we've realized that adoption was so hard that we needed to do a switch and to use WebXR is a way to help us also correlate with AI, especially us, save time and money, because compared to what we spend in developing environment, nowadays there are so many things being developed to support us in terms of like developing 3D environments faster. So with WebXR, we are actually at, uh, I would say, the forefront to be able to leverage that. And for us, being able to support providers, individualizing treatment pathways for their clients or patients, it's very key because it will help them actually improve engagement. Mm -hmm. And we also use to spend so much time in developing programs. Now from our assessment, we're able to identify the severity of the needs of the patient. And then we kind of like took the environments that we had and turned them into wellness programs for different sessions. So that means that from the assessment, the provider knows what's going on with their patient. They understand the severity so that they could quickly decide, you know what, is this patient someone that I could refer directly to self-guided you know, scenarios with VR or just using videos that are scripted within a 3D environment? Or is this patient moderate or has severe conditions that I need to assist them in a one-on-one session? And then in between our sessions, they could be redirected to self-guided care so then they could sustain their program. Well, I just thought of another question. How much overlap is there between your research PhD and your company and what you're doing in there? Is there a lot of overlap? Are they pretty separate or is there synergy there? I would say engagement, because of the engagement part, there's synergies because all the data that we're going to get in terms of like engaging youth or at-risk students is going to serve. But my research director really made sure that I didn't do a research that had too much synergies with my business. Because one thing that she said was like, you cannot be the researcher and at the same time being the founder because the bias will be too hard. Yeah. She rhetoric that I did it on education with a population that I don't necessarily work with right now. So that's why my platform is for providers and my research is for high school students. Got it. And your consumers for your company, which providers are you focused on? So we are focusing on providers that are supporting, well, psychiatrists, psychologists that works in clinics and hospital. Like right now we have been talking with the Mental Health Institute of Montreal to kind of see how we could do product market fit with them. But providers that are working with clients, especially on anxiety disorder and I would say depression and trauma. Great. All right. And I have one more question before I let Jessica come in. So one of the things we're thinking about is, well, you well know probably the research on excellence and the correlation between diverse perspectives and innovation. And so how do you think that we can promote gender equity and diversity and have more underrepresented individuals with diverse backgrounds and characteristics really join the medical and mental health XR space. I feel like that's what we really need. And do you have any thoughts on that? Or, Yeah, well, thank you for this question. 
when I read this question, I was really like happy because as a woman of color in tech who doesn't code, I think it's important that new innovation considers our diverse perspective so that innovations are not biased and they capture our reality and needs. And when I say us, I'm talking like, you know, Blacks and then all other people from diverse communities. I got into the tech industry, you know, coming from a sector where I saw many people that looks like me. Like in mental health, I can say as a clinician, I see many people that looks like me. But getting into tech or XR, it was different. I would say in the U.S., I see more people that looks like me, but in Canada, not so much. So the idea for me to democratize mental health also is part of that so that people like me feels less stigmatized because, you know, if we are real about it, not many people can afford or feel welcome in spaces like this, right? Like I remembered when I first emailed you, I saw the program online about the virtual reality program that we meet monthly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. Am I enough for this program? Are they going to accept me? And I wasn't sure about applying. So when I sent you the email and I saw how welcoming you were, and then I had to read again your title because I was like, oh my God, this is a psychiatrist. And look at how she's talking to me as if like, you know, yes, join us. And we would love for you to be part of it. You did a good job at creating an inclusive group where everybody feels heard. Even whatever you're bringing to the table is accepted. And also how I was able to demo my platform I think that this is valuable and spaces like that are really important and valuable because sometimes we feel as people that are coming from diverse group as imposters coming in. Although we say we want to have a chair at the table, but we don't necessarily think that people are going to be welcoming or are they going to welcome our opinion? Is it going to be a group with diversity of opinion? So sometimes we get fear and we feel like imposters. Yeah. It's so important to have those different opinions and those different viewpoints. And with this type of emerging technology, especially with XR and, and then AI, you have to ensure that there's not going to be bias within these technologies, right? And having those people at the table and allowing them to feel free to deliver their viewpoints is only going to make the technology better. So I'm so glad that you felt so welcoming at the Spitzy meeting. And of course, Kim did that because she's amazing, but <laughs> but yeah. And I think this podcast is about that too. We need to reduce stereotypes. Absolutely. We all feel like imposters for different reasons and having that inclusivity and creating spaces. So yeah, and you're doing that, Emanuela. And we all are. Yes. Thanks. You're a great example of this. Jessica, you had a whole bunch of questions too. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go back to, <laughs> I'm going to circle back to you being a PhD candidate in educational technology. So what ideas do you have about ways that XR can be used within instructional environments to improve learning and youth? And then how about for students on the autism spectrum, since you have worked clinically with those students? Yeah, for me, from the educational technology standpoint, when I think of XR, I think of experiential learning. Learning by doing, like, you know, if we think of the work of Dewey or Kolb, 
The whole pedagogical approach emphasizes on learning through experience, reflection, and taking action. So Dewey would stand with the idea that, you know, learning should be based on real-world experience. So for me, XR brings close to our real-world experience, <laughs> although if it's in 3D and we are in Avatar, it brings, you know, students so close to the reality that they can live an experience that and then learn from it. In that experience, they could create action, they could get engaged. And within that experience also, they could co-construct things. And that is very important to learning and changing behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. Especially within the autism spectrum disorder community, having that real world immersive technology to be able to really allow them to feel as though they are in a certain circumstance is so valuable and it's much more effective, correct? Exactly. Like I remembered back when I uh, operated a group home, one of my clients was autistic. And back then I didn't know about VR. So when she would go to school, it would be difficult when her anxiety would go up. So she would be sent back home. Right. So then I decided, you know what, let's try text messaging. She had a cell phone and then she would often text me. So I said, you know what, instead of like sending her back, send her to a room, she will take her cell phone and then we would recreate that experience over texting. And she would send me a text telling me like, this is going on and this is what happened. And then we would go through the experience. She would reflect on what happened. She would tell me what was her part in the conflict, if it's a conflict with her friend or teacher, or what she perceived as being a conflict that wasn't really because she's autistic. And then the fact that she was using a tool, she was talking about it. She came out of class. She was able to stay in school. Although sometimes, you know, as she gets into her own environment, now she allows herself to have the crisis. But most of the time, she was able to keep it down and kind of like use her strategies, come back, breathe, and count to 10 in her head, and then be proud that she was able to use her strategies and not have to take a PRN so that she doesn't get into crisis. You've been able to accomplish so much. And with Cogni XR, I'm going to circle back to that now. So one unique aspect of Cogni XR is improving workplace and organization wellness, which can mitigate employee burnout. Can you explain what kinds of activities or content the VR and AI therapies have that improve performance and wellness in, in employees? Well, one of the things that we did, we did a validation test with an organization in Canada. And this organization, ACDN Canada, where they support entrepreneurs actually from uh, Caribbean communities in Toronto. And during COVID, they wanted to find a way to break isolations for their members because it's a nonprofit organization. And then we are able to collaborate and I created an environment called Ubuntu for them. And Ubuntu meaning like, you know, we are because we all are. So focusing on the collective while one person is feeling better, right? But then you need the power of the group. So I would say it's the same thing for employee wellness. When employees have challenges and the employer get tools or starts, you know, working on the culture of the workplace so that they feel it's okay to communicate what they feel, to communicate also about what they feel is triggering them in the workplace is very important. And using our tools 
can help with self-guided mostly on demand. I would say for workplace wellness, we often use self-guided on-demand tools so that employees, if they want to just walk around the beach during lunchtime, they could put in their headset and then walk around the beach, relax, and then come back when it's time to work after the lunchtime. And they could also do it from home. So I would say that VR gives them a way to transcend to a happier place so that they could take care of their stress, their daily stress or work stress also. Have you found that uh, you've received positive feedback from employers who are offering this to their workforce? We are currently actually in the process of testing it with employees. And I would say we tested it with three groups. One that was a group of entrepreneurs that was They were employees themselves, but then what we did is like we had a group of psychotherapists that each had four clients, which were from members of the group, and then they supported them for like four sessions. And what we've noticed is that mostly it was used for not necessarily exposure therapy, but then they went through their therapy and they used it at the end of the therapy, give the patient a way to close the therapy with mindfulness therapy in an environment that would help reduce their anxiety. But mostly for mindfulness, they said they use it, that it was really, really working for them. And also in talk therapy within the environment, like walking with their therapist within the environment, it also helped. And providing them quick tools to face what they're feeling in the reality. Oh, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to pivot now to leadership. You know, it's kind of linked to everything we've talked about here. And I know in a lot of school of medicine locations, you know, leadership for physicians is a big ticket item to reduce burnout. And definitely my organization focuses on that. And then I noticed in your recent blogs on CogniXR Health website, you talked about how leaders play a key role in breaking down stigma in the workplace and mental health. And just wondering about what leadership skills you think are super important for prioritizing mental health and employees, and also just what leadership skills do you use to just be so awesome and so productive? So anything on leadership that you can <laughs> you can share with us would be awesome. Well, what do they say? Like when they, they do a commercial and then they put kids, don't do this at home. Some of the things, don't try this at home. Beside that, as leadership skills, I would say that, you know, good communication, empathy, flexibility, adaptability, and also modeling. Because, you know, if you are a leader or a manager of a department and then you don't take care of your own self-care, it's hard after to preach that at work. Right, right. You know, like now I was reading an article and many organizations are looking for CHOs. And I was like, what's a CHO? It's chief happiness officers. And that person is in charge of workplace happiness and employee well-being. Isn't that great? That is great. (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) I want to be one of those. (laughs) Uh, That's so great. It's like this new role that they've created that has been developed actually by startups in North America and it's growing like to Europe. Mm -hmm. And what they're focusing on, it's like, you know, to find other 
factors of individual and collective performance. So it's not just, mm-hmm. you know, focusing on one person, but it's to look at the job as a collective thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if John doesn't do well in our department, well, his burnout may affect each one of us somehow, right? So it's important right. to, to put a lot of emphasis on work environment, the climate, and make sure that people communicate because it's essential for leadership skills, especially mm-hmm. for a good work environment where employee can develop a sense of belonging and feel yeah. comfortable to yeah. ask for help when they need. Then empathy can help also create that safety net around them yeah, so that they feel comfortable looking for help without being stigmatized or having a chip on their shoulders after they've said that they weren't feeling well on a, one week. Right. Yep. So adaptability also, and also for the leaders to practice what they preach so that if they're saying that, you know, people should come and then work on their mental health and they're putting tools for that, then they should prioritize their own mental health and put a lot of emphasis on taking control over their own self-care, setting positive approach to wellness at work so that their employee can also follow Yeah. If you say, you know, don't email on the weekend, but you're a leader emailing people on the weekend. Yeah. You got to practice what you preach. Yeah, absolutely. Did you experience that, Kim? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say, but I'm sure many people have experienced things like that. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you that I ask all the guests that come on here, because after starting this now, I think we're almost into a year here. We're noticing, even though we call this psychiatry XR, there's a huge absence of psychiatrists and a gap in the discipline of psychiatry and its role in XR. Like uh, we haven't met any companies that actually have psychiatrists on their board or even on their advisory committees. And so what do you think, what is the best role for psychiatrists and how can psychiatrists play a role in advancing XR and mental health? Do you have any ideas on where we fit in as psychiatrists? Well, already, like, you know, this platform that you've created with your team is wonderful. I think that this is going to change, you know, the way we think about XR. And especially for us entrepreneurs, like I went on the website and I was writing about, you know, product market fit and I was writing about, you know, positioning Cogni. And I'm listening. I listened to one of your audio and I was like, oh, my God, please tell me more. Because it also helped with hearing about people like psychologists using XR in their practice for us to kind of like tell people, you know, this is not just a dream that we have and we woke up. So I guess that psychiatrists have this role where they can help us design what they need to support their patient better. So yes, they should take part on startup advisory board to share their expertise on how technology like XR and AI can support them, especially with, you know, diagnosis, because sometimes, you know, what they do that takes them hours or weeks can be reduced using technology. And if they don't want to adopt it, but then maybe they could help us, you know, see why and understand how we could actually support their practice better with what we're building. Okay. I love that vision. Yeah. Especially with diagnosis, because we do spend a lot of time in evaluations. Exactly. And there is a labor shortage, Mm -hmm. more and more like a professional Mm -hmm. to support the demand. So we have no choice, but to find other alternatives to wellness. Yep. Anything else? 
that you're burning to share? Um, any ideas or any topics? Well, no, I think that it was really, really nice. But maybe one thing I can say is that Cogni needs you, psychiatrists and psychologists yes. and mental health professionals that are listening. We are looking for 10 mental health providers or organizations that will be willing to do some trials with us so that we could do some product market fit and make sure that we respond to your needs and to your clients' needs. Got it. So yeah, it looks like running the clinical trials is to a place for psychiatrists and, and psychologists. Definitely. Yeah. Like the validation of, of your prototypes. And- yeah. And it's credibility also, like showing that we created mm-hmm. something that is going to be used by real people. It's not just in our head as yeah. entrepreneurs. Right. Yes. Right. Credibility is so important. Definitely. Yeah. And without it, it's so interesting. Without credibility from psychiatrists, mental health providers, and it's so interesting, even like family doctors. There was a cardiologist also that asked me, you know, do you have an experience that I could use with patients that just find out that they're going to have like open heart surgery and they're going through a lot of anxiety, how to talk to their family before that surgery? Do you have something that we can use so that they go through it for a couple of days before the surgery? So it's many people within the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Emanuela. We're so lucky that you joined us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was fun. It was really, really interesting. And continue doing your great work. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by Psychiatry XR, the psychiatry podcast about immersive technology and mental health. And for more information about Psychiatry XR, visit our website at psychiatryxr.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and tune in again next month to hear from another guest about XR's use in psychiatric care. You can join us monthly on Apple Podcasts, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Psychiatry XR was produced by myself, Kim Bullock, Faiza Arshad, and Jessica Hagen. Please note that the podcast is distinct from my own clinical teaching and research roles at Stanford University, and the information provided is not medical advice and should not be considered or taken as replacement for medical advice. The episode was edited by David Bell and music and audio produced by Austin Hagen. See you next time. Thank you.